0: Hey, what's going on? This is Blake from the Sticky Buttons Podcast. And Brandon will not be joining us today, but shout out to Brandon. He's enjoying his day off. And we have a returning guest, Andrew, from our Returnal episode. So welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I know last time I was here, we spent two hours talking about one game. (laughs) Now we're going to spend two hours talking about about 100 games. So I'm looking forward to it. Close to it. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about... PAX,
0: which stands for the Penny Arcade Expo. We went to PAX East about two weekends ago, and we're kind of just going to talk about our experience with PAX and what PAX is and, you know, just kind of just the overall experience of going. So would you maybe like to, I guess, talk about PAX two years ago? Because we went two years ago for the first time. We did two days. And then, you know, this time we went for the whole four days. So would you maybe like to just kind of give an overview of two years ago?
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, last year was our first year in 2022 here in Boston. I didn't really know what to expect, Blake. I don't know if you knew mm-hmm. what to expect. All no, I, I, had, was, I had no idea. I expected it to be a video game convention, but it's really, it's a gaming convention. So you've got video games, there's board games, there's Dungeons and Dragons, there's card games. Magic table tournaments. Top. Yep, yep. And so it's yeah, really it's a all sub- kinds of stuff if the word game could be used to describe whatever you're thinking of, it was probably at PAX. And so there are a few across the country, and I think there's even one in Australia that are held every year. PAX East is here in Boston. And, you know, last year in 2022, we just went in, didn't know what to do, and (laughs) we found a lot to do, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: there's all kinds of stuff. The Boston Convention Center is just ginormous. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it just this truly the scope of it is just incredible even you know coming back this year I'm I'm just like oh my gosh this is just huge Like, there's just so much space and you know there's multi levels to it as well like obviously there's kind of the show floor exhibition floor where there's a lot of game demos whether that's video games or board games but they also have you know a huge area where it's just tables and it's all for card tournaments and on the second level they have exhibition halls or not halls, I guess it's more rooms where they have more like smaller designated spaces. And we went to a couple panels there last year, which we didn't do any panels this year.
1: Right. Yeah. And that was, I think, you know, not understanding really what to do or how to do it with those two days we had the first time we went, we tried to scope Mm -hmm. out the schedule and see what looked interesting. And this time with all four days going this year in 2023, I mean, we just hit the floor. Because Mm -hmm. we found, and your mileage may vary, but we found that just going and playing as many games, you know, I know the first day we walked around, if there was an open controller or an open keyboard, just do it. You never know what you're going to like. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, that's kind of the whole thing about PAX is just discovering new games and, you know, discovering new demos and trying something out that you would never spend money on, but then, hey, you may love it. And that's kind of the magic of packs. So that actually you know, is a great transition. What we're going to do today is we pretty much outlined just about every single game that we can remember playing. And we're kind of just going to really quickly go over them and then kind of give a thumbs up, thumbs down, or two thumbs up. And if uh, we give a thumbs up, that means we liked it. Thumbs down wasn't for us. And two thumbs up is we liked it enough to where we're going to buy it or we've already bought it. So we're just going to try and get through as many games as possible. And, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of these are demos. A lot of these games aren't finished yet. So it's kind of just like a taste test. Our taste is, you know, obviously probably different than yours. So you might love a game that we give a thumbs down to. And, you know, obviously our takes are going to be inherently subjective, but it's also like, you know, it's a demo. So we were only there 10, 15 minutes max.
1: So it's really just first impressions. And some of these, just to give an idea of how young some of these games are, I remember we played one that I'm sure we'll get to at some point. It was a lot of fun, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, we've been working on this for three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's how quickly some of these games are out there, so I'm looking forward to talking through them with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm actually
0: I'm gonna, just going to jump right into um, to the first one here, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on this one, because I think that this game is kind of you know, just the reason you go to PAX. It's a small indie game. It's called Unleaving. And it's very small. It probably has a small budget. So you probably won't see it on like a PlayStation or Nintendo Direct. But it's incredibly unique. And it's largely made by a husband and wife duo. And this game, it's like a puzzle platformer. And it has physics-based puzzles. And I just thought it had the most unique art style I've ever seen. So the art style is kind of like an oil painting art style and it's like truly like victorian era oil paintings and the settings i just saw were beautifully crafted and you can like see the brush strokes and it looks very textured and i've never really seen that translated you know to a video game and i thought that was so cool and there's also this contrast where they have graphite and pencil objects and they fit really beautifully into this world and they kind of like contradict and complement the oil paintings so visually it's really cool and they're trying to tackle some deep things in this game as well and i thought that that was really interesting just learning about this you know just like talking to them and the whole thing is the husband and wife are there demoing their game and you can just go up there and talk to them and have that human connection and the husband does a lot of the programming and the wife is doing a lot of the oil painting that you know, is then being translated into the game. And just, like, learning about that process was just so cool and fascinating. And, you know, just, like, talking to them, come to find out it's not just quite them. Like, they have, like, a composer, and then they have another artist that does, like, the graphite art. And just, like, having that, like, truly human connection and just, like, talking to them about their game and just seeing the passion on their face was just so cool. And it's also, like, you get to, like, hear about the game's, process you know that it went through and they kind of told me the game used to be a lot darker visually like they had a lot more grays and a lot more blacks instead of being more light and white and they kind of said that they worked with a or they consulted a gaming accessibility organization and they found that people that were visually impaired were having problems playing their game because it wasn't bright enough and just like to hear about that and they're like oh we're changing this. You're going to, like, if you play our demo, you're going to see this, but we're already going to change that. And I just thought that was just, like, so cool to get that and to see that. And, you know, this game I thought was really awesome. You know, their demo was incredible. So that game is called Unleaving, and I'm just so excited for it. Definitely check that out. It's up on, or most of these games we're going to talk about are up on Steam. So you can just, you know, go look at them, watch the trailer, see the art for it. I'm incredibly excited for Unleaving, so... That's a huge two thumbs up for me, and I just can't wait to play more of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the description there. It's a side-scroller through an oil painting. Very pretty. And I will tell you, this game in particular is a great reason I like to go to PAX with you. Is because I could not care less about this game. (laughs) you love it this is exactly the game for you but this is totally the opposite of my taste it is very impressive and i'm sure it's it's wonderful but i know you sat and played this for like an hour and we were just off doing other stuff so this is not for me i I was talking
0: to the developers right
1: right well that's the fun part about Mm packs is you really do get to talk Mm -hmm. to to the people who made it and really get to see it from their eyes but it's I'm not interested in this game and that is just fine. So a thumbs down from me, but (laughs) if your taste aligns more with Blake's, then, um, then this could definitely be for you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's awesome.
0: I mean, like truly you, I mean, that is one of the reasons you go to PAX. I think this is a great example of it. Like you just go try it and, you know, maybe you're pulled in by the art. Maybe you're pulled in by the demo. Maybe there's no line or maybe there's a huge line for whatever, you know, reason Getting in and just trying the game, like you never know, it could be magic. So, I think that's a great example of a game that you can experience at PAX. And the next one we're going to talk about, which I'll let you take the lead on, Andrew, I think this is also another great example of the kind of games that you can <laughs> find at PAX.
1: Yeah, this one's very silly. It's called Romanceylvania. And so, it's a side scroller, it's very silly. And the way that the developers pitched it to us right out of the gate when we got there was it's as if Dracula was on The Bachelor. (laughs) And it's just silly. And you Mm -hmm. could tell talking to the developers, they were having a lot of fun. Side-scroller, you know, kind of irreverent action game with lots of weird twists and turns uh, that kind of break the fourth wall sometimes, where it starts out and almost, I don't know if it's exactly like a Castlevania, Metroidvania style game. I think that's what they're going for. But I think
0: there were parts of it that were Mm -hmm. that were in that style, and then it transitions to like a a visual novel for the bachelor show type part of it.
1: Kind of. Though I do have to say, the combat was pretty entertaining. I did enjoy the combat. I feel like visual novel might imply that you're just doing a lot of watching and not a lot of playing, but there was a lot of playing here. The art style was very silly. It really Made fun of shows like The Bachelor and that kind of reality TV, like hyper drama kind of a thing here. Mm -hmm. And the dialogue and everything, it was entertaining. So, yeah, this is now out right now. It came out on March 7th. -hmm. I don't think I'm going to pick it up, but I did like it. I'll give it a thumbs up just because it's inventive. It's not something we've seen over and over again. And it's very silly. And I do like silly things.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed watching you play this. I mean, I got a laugh out of, you know, just watching you play and talking to the developers as well, but it's going to be a thumbs down for me, but I think it's a great example of, you know, it's something unique that I've never seen that, you know, but it's at PAX.
1: And that's Romania. Sylvania.
0: So I guess I'll take the next one. Um, this was Blade Assault. It was actually, I think, the first demo that we played, and it was kind of just an open controller, and we jumped right into it. And it's a cyberpunk pixel art side-scrolling roguelite. And we played the demo. We really liked, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the game's out now It's $17.99 on Steam and Switch. And I might pick it up if it goes on sale, but I mean, it was pretty fun. I'll give it a thumbs up for me.
1: Yeah, I think this is fun for people who really like this kind of game. It almost reminds me of, it's starting to get towards like the, the side-scroller beat-em-ups. I uh, like a ninja yeah, the mm-hmm. new Ninja Turtles game or I don't know if that's new anymore. But yeah, it had like some
0: of those kind of elements. It had like a melee class and like a shooting class.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit of RPG in there too. It's very pretty. I feel like the cyberpunk and we're going to talk about cyberpunk stuff that we really like in here as well. But mm-hmm. I do feel like the cyberpunk thing is starting to kind of lose its edge. Everything has been cyberpunk for a while, mm. so I'm not as interested. But I didn't hate it. If it was free, I would download it. I'm not going to pay money for it. I'll give it a thumbs up just because, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about it other than it's not wow for me.
0: Yeah, it was fun. I I mean, I personally can't get enough of that aesthetic, so thumbs up for me. There you go. That was Blade Assault. (laughs) Blade Assault. Now, this next one that we're going to talk about is Mina the Hollower. Now, this is the new game coming out from Yacht Club Games, and they made Shovel Knight, Shovel Knight Dig, do you have any experience with those type of games?
1: I don't, and I'll just get my little review here out of the way as well. I think because yeah, I, yeah because I don't have a lot of experience with Shovel Knight or, or those the games from this um, developer. I had a very bad time with this demo. I could not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's you know top down, you know isometric kind of a thing. It's pixel art. It's very pretty makes you feel like you're playing like a SNES game or or something kind of of that era. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the controls. I got stuck. I didn't know where to go. I kept dying. I feel like this was user error. I think if I played more of these games and knew what I was doing, I would have a better time. I know people love Shovel Knight, but it'll be a thumbs down for me on Mina the Hollower. So why don't you tell everyone why they should like it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is very different from
0: Shovel Knight. I actually didn't love Shovel Knight personally. But I thought what they did was really cool. And I mean, we don't really have the time to get into why Yacht Club Games is important as an indie studio. But basically, they kind of were one of the first games that took the retro style and made it into an indie game for modern platforms. And, you know, obviously Shovel Knight is very recognizable as an indie game and an indie publisher. However, I personally didn't really click that much with it. And that was kind of inspired by SNES and NES like platformers and action platformers. Whereas Mean of the Hollower is really inspired by top-down Game Boy Color games. Okay. It's kind of like the ethos of that one. Or, Which is totally in your wheelhouse. hmm Yeah, and I think that the visuals are super pretty. I will say I don't think that the demo was necessarily a good demo because it was kind of it was just the game. Like it was just the opening of the game. And you had 15 minutes to play it. And however far you got in those 15 minutes, you know, that was kind of it. But Mina the Hollower, you know, they have a lot of different, like, weapon classes. So ideally, I think you'd be able to, like, change up your classes in the games. And, like, I don't know what weapon you ended up going with. But they had, like, two daggers or, like, a whip or I think they had, like, a couple different weapon types. And I, the one that I picked, I, I really liked. And I was sitting next to you. And I was like, oh, I don't think I would have liked that weapon type as much. So I don't necessarily know if it demoed very well, but I'm really excited for this. And also there's a lot out there on this game, like Game Informer, they did like an hour long, or it might have been close to an hour, kind of like preview where they sit down with the Bat Club games. And this is on the internet, like you'll be able to find a lot about this game. So we don't need to spend too much more time on it, but it's gonna be two thumbs up for me. I'm super excited to check this out and I think I'm gonna pick it up when it does. All right. Mina the Hollower, coming soon. Yeah. Now, the next
1: one is Terra Nil. Did you get a chance to demo this one at PAX? I did not. I watched over the shoulder of some people, but I did not actually play it myself. Did you? I didn't get a chance to play it, but it is out now, and I have it on my phone. All right. So (laughs) So let's hear about it. It looks
0: good. (laughs) This is kind of the, I would say that this is also kind of like part of the PAX experience. I actually, I may have brought this game up on the show before. was really excited for this game because kind of the ethos of it is it's a city builder, but it's like a reverse city builder. And instead of, you know, having a pristine environment and turning it into a city, you have a wasteland and you turn it into a lush environment. And it kind of has that like city builder mechanics, but you're re terraforming this. Is that the right word? Re-terraforming?
1: Yeah, a, yeah. An, well, I, like I don't think you just terraform it to the, from the yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically just saving the wasteland and turning into a lush environment. And it's really cool. I was in line for a different game that we'll talk about later called Angerfoot. And I was in line. We decided to wait in line for Angerfoot. It was one of the longest lines that we saw and the line was kind of small at the time and we're like, all right, let's do this. And we were kind of just waiting in line and chatting. And then, you know, a person behind us, we started chatting with them as well. And we were like, you got to play Terra Nil. And it kind of had this, like, buzz to it. And I heard some people, you know, kind of, like, whispering about Terra Nil here and there throughout the convention as we were there. So it kind of had, like, this little bit of a buzz to it. I think certain games definitely have that. I think last year it was Cult of the Lamb. You know, it was being demoed. And, mm-hmm. and I just kept hearing, like, people talk about it. And the lines were always super long. So I think that Terranil kinda hit that a little bit this year. And right now it's I mean, it's out on Steam for twenty four ninety nine, but if you have a Netflix subscription, you can download it on your phone. So it's kinda weird how it works, you just download the game from the app store and you sign into Netflix and then you're able to play the game. And that's only on your phone? yeah, so Netflix is trying to get into games, oh. uh, are kind of trying to get into games on their service and subscription. Uh, they haven't really been advertising it very much, and they have been doing this with a lot of smaller indie games, which is why I kind of know about it. And I've checked out some other ones as well from Netflix. But basically, it's kind of like Netflix is console exclusive because it's only on PC and iOS right now. And it would be a game that's like perfect for Switch or PlayStation, but it you know it's exclusive because Netflix decided that this is one of the games they wanted to put on their subscription. and I mean, I think it works great on the on the phone. I've been playing it. So if you have Netflix, you can check this out for free. I mean, it's with your Netflix subscription, but you can check that out on iOS. So it, two thumbs up for me, because I, I have it and played it. So.
1: Well, very very nice. I'll reserve my thumbs for after I actually get to, get to play it. So that is Terra Nil, out now. Yeah, Terra Nil. Yep. You wanna take the next one? I think you probably should guess is Castle of Alchemists. <laughs> yes, Castle I... of
0: Alchemists. We we both played the demo for this one. Do you remember this one?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. We okay. Did. Yes. All right. Fine. Now that I'm remembering, I will take the, <laughs> thank you, Blake. This game, I think would have been a lot more fun if we spent more time with it. I don't know that we were being rushed off, but this, I think mm-hmm. we came across pretty early. Yeah, we definitely there was an open controller we hopped on it.
0: It was interesting and then we sure. decided to move on. But I, I think that this one's interesting cuz the demo's out now
1: and so we could redemo it if we wanted to. We could. And That's I honestly, might I might want yeah. to. This is a genre of games that I remember seeing uh, several of last year and as well this year too, these tower defense games which mm-hmm. I quite like. This one's really interesting because you you uh very pretty game, you know, kind of isometric view. It's not exactly it's not pixel art, but it's kind of simplified art that's very pretty as well. You set your traps, but then also once the waves start coming, you have you know you can run around with your character and have like some pretty just from the screenshots here on Steam some pretty diverse weaponry that you can use in addition to your traps and so it's resource management of how much you can spend on these traps as well as I think it's ammo for your guns and or axes or whatever your weaponry is. And so I think what we had played it was tough with the controls as I recall in this game. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, what uh, what are your impressions here?
0: Yeah, so I think they only had mouse and keyboard controls when we demoed mm-hmm. this and I think that is why we we struggled a little bit. Um, but it, you know it's an isometric roguelike tower defense game where you're in the castle. So you do kind of move around in, in an isometric environment and your character does have like a melee class or a bow class. And you can, you know, attack like you would in an isometric game. But you can also, you know, build up towers. And you only get a certain amount of, I guess, like like defense resources that you can make in mm-hmm. the hallway that you're in that you can, you know, kind of place these traps. And because it's a, a roguelike, you know, if you lose, they put you into a different hallway of the castle. So it's really interesting. And I'm, I would give it a thumbs up. You know, I mean, you can try it. I think this is one one of those games where it's a little bit harder to describe... But once you you know look at it and kind of see it in action, it, it really does make sense. So thumbs up from me. You can check out the demo now.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give it a sideways thumb. I know that's not an option, but <laughs> I think the fact that I didn't really remember it maybe is telling. Mm-hmm. If I had more time with it, my thumb could, could go either direction. But that is Castle of Alchemists, according to Steam, coming out quarter two of this year. Okay,
0: well, there you go. And the next one on our list is Angerfoot. I guess we kind of mentioned it. (laughs) It had a very long line. And I think there has been a little bit of hype around this game.
1: How would you describe this game, Andrew? I would describe it as, on paper, amazing. Mm -hmm. When you play it, we'll talk about that in a second. So Angerfoot is, (laughs) I mean, you're just, it's fast. It's a 3D first-person game where you're busting in and kicking people with your anger foot i don't know Mm -hmm. the story i don't know that we were given a story yeah Uh, i don't know if there is a story but it's just fast and reactive and you kind of just kick down a door and you're in this house and there's bad guys and you got to kick them down and you just go room to room to room up and eventually i think you start to pick up some guns and i don't even know where it goes from there but it's all kind of centered around your foot it's another kind of a cyberpunk Esque atmosphere i don't know if cyberpunk's the right word
0: yeah i would kind of say it's more like it has a like a mutant aesthetic to it okay because yeah. there is you're kind of like in the sewers a little bit and you're when you do the kicking animation you have like a very green leg and foot yeah and it's got like some hair sticking out of it which i just think is a, a funny <laughs> touch and it feels really good i personally don't have a lot of experience with this this genre but to me when i looked at it I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Doom.
1: Yeah, well, a little Doom, but a lot more simplified. Just a run and gun. You're just moving and kicking and moving and shooting and going and going and going. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of think. There's a lot of react. And the problem I had, and I know this is, I guess I don't know how early of a build it is, but I think I tried it with a mouse and keyboard, and I also had a, a controller at my station. I tried it both ways. I could not get the timing down. It was hard to judge for me how long your leg actually was. I'm pretty tall in mm-hmm. real life, so you know, I I don't know how my brain was trying to equate that to what I was doing in the game. But, you know, you die and you start over, I think, at the beginning of whatever level at you're at. And I just mm-hmm. could not, you know, get past it's the same thing every time. It's not roguelike or whatever where you know, it changes up each yeah. time. It is the same game, so you start it to recognize the, same, the yeah. patterns. But I, the timing, I just think, needs to be tweaked because I could not could not really get into it. And I was pretty disappointed by this. So for me, at least, I'm going to give it a thumbs down with the build that I played, though I do think it could be improved with some, some timing adjustments to a thumbs up or even a double thumbs up because it is a great concept.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, obviously, you know, the line was really long. And we probably waited in line for like 45 yeah. minutes to demo this yeah. one. And, you know, just to kind of get up there. And I immediately, I kind of had the same reaction as you, where I was like, oh, the timing of this just doesn't feel right. And it is kind of like you're a glass cannon. Like, pretty much all the enemies take one or two hits and they're down. But you, if you get hit once, you're done. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you really are just moving as quickly as possible. And I, I truly, like, couldn't really get through the first, like, three doors. Like, it probably, you know, the first quarter of my demo, I was was spent kinda of just like scratching my head, yeah. um not really having a good time. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna slow this way down and just see how far my leg could kick. And just kinda of like see where the hitbox is. And it took me like one or two, maybe even three runs just with that like kind of mindset. And I played it and I was like, okay, so your leg actually goes a lot further than I would think it would based on the visuals and like the hitbox of the leg went further out than I would think. But that also, I think because of that, the hitbox didn't really, I guess like make, I don't know, it wasn't as intuitive as I think maybe it could have been. The enemy's attacks also hit you from further or hit you from further away than you would think possible. Where it's like, oh, like I see that they have like a sword in their arm. And oh, they, they got me. <laughs> but after I kind of did that, I actually completed the demo. And I, I don't think very many people did. Um, I so did that your experience was yeah, I think your experience was pretty common. And we were, I mean, being in line for 45 minutes, we got to watch a lot of people play. And I didn't see a ton of people you know, finish the demo. And I really tried to make it like I was like, I'm going to try and do it. And just because it's a game that I don't really have. It's a genre I've never played, and I was kind of just interested in it. And, you know, I gave it a little bit more time, and I enjoyed it. I don't think I'm going to pick it up, but it's got a thumbs up for me because I enjoyed the demo, at least, once I got the hang of
1: it. There you go. And it looks like there is a demo available on Steam right now. I don't know if that's the one we played, but this is Angerfoot, and it should release this year. Yeah, definitely
0: worth checking out the demo. I would definitely do that before I I buy this game, just because... I mean, it looked so cool, and then, you know, we didn't have a good time with it, and then I was able to, you know, push past that a little bit, and I ended up having a good time, but yeah,
1: definitely try. Why don't we talk about a game that definitely (laughs) looks cool? Cool enough that Blake bought a t-shirt for this game.
0: Yeah, yes, so this is called Xenotilt, Xenotilt Hostile Pinball Action. Man, (laughs) I am just so So pumped for this game. What more do you need to know? I mean, that describes the game right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it has a a very sick logo. (laughs) And that logo is on a t-shirt that I now own. So basically, this is like a pinball game, but it's a pinball video game. And this, you know, kind of does what I just absolutely love about video games is it it does something that you can only do in video Mm -hmm. games. And a lot of us have played pinball. You know, it's kind of confined to the actual physical pinball board. But being, you know, a digital video game, this had like three boards on top of each other you know, you've got your flippers in pinball. And if the ball goes down, like that's kind of the end of the end end of it. But in this one, you would go down to a separate or to another board. It wasn't endless. Like there, there was an end. So if you go through at the bottom, like that's kind of it, but you can kind of progressively move up through the pinball spaces. And I just thought it was so cool. It demoed, you know, amazing. It was just so fun just to get into it. I can't wait to talk about this game more. They actually have a game that's out already called Demon Tilt, and I'm going to talk about that probably in our next episode, but that's, this has got a two thumbs up for me. I mean, I played their first game after demoing this game and I'm just so excited for both of these. So yeah, Xeno Tilt, Hostile Pinball Action, two thumbs up for me, and their other game Demon Tilt, two thumbs up for me as well. I mean, this game is just awesome. And I definitely think it's worth seeing the visuals. So yeah,
1: look this one up on Steam. Absolutely. Blake played it. I got to watch. It looked like a lot of fun. You know, think of the space Microsoft pinball from like Windows XP, but like put it in <laughs> hell and give it a bunch of lasers. I mean, this is, yeah, it's really thrilling. I don't know. I'll have to see what the price is when it comes out. I'll give it a single thumbs up for now and probably would consider it a, on sale at some point. Very cool looking game, Xenotilt hostile pinball action. Yeah. Very cool. Also, really quick, on
0: Demon Tilt, that is on the Switch as well. So it's on oh, Switch and Steam. There you go. So. And then this next one is called Century. And this one I think you demoed, Andrew, but I got to watch as you demoed. And it was kind of like a first person action defense game. And you had a gun and then you could build structures and it had a really cool art style. And the actual story of this was really cool. Do you remember much of this one?
1: I remember the gameplay. And what saved me with the gameplay as well was the developer standing right next to me, helping me, which was great. (laughs) Tower defense game, again, except this is first person. You're inside a spaceship. So, you know, you've got a gun. And it was a ton of fun to play, I have to say. You would, you know, pay whatever the resource is to set all these traps and to get your ammo and to get ready. And then there were environment based traps as well. The example is, you know, the, I don't know what the enemies were, aliens or monsters or whatever. Would start yeah. Calling. They were like aliens. Yeah. So they come down a hallway and, and you're in a spaceship. And so then there's a window. You could shoot the window out and that would suck them all up. And then it would kind of auto repair, like a right. metal like blast door would kind right. of like so you, so then you shoot down. So right. you could, Yeah, only you couldn't do it again, right? Exactly, and so you know, I don't know as you go on in that game how much they will use those types of mechanics. That I thought was the coolest part because I hadn't really seen that type of thing before. The game looked very pretty. The one gripe I had with it, and I can't remember exactly what the button was, but it was like the button to change weapons was really bizarre. And so every time I was trying to change weapons... I think
0: it was the D-pad to change weapons, and then if you hit triangle or Y, the top button on the controller, it would pull up your building structure. Right.
1: So I kept trying to change guns, like, in the middle of a firefight, and then I would be all in this wrong menu and all this stuff. I was like, oh, no. Which is part user error, but part just, like, the way you change weapons in every game is triangle, Mm -hmm. you know, or the Y button if you're using a gamepad. So... But I think this is, I would say this is a two thumbs up for me. It's on my wish list on Steam and I had a great time. Wow, that's awesome.
0: It's a a single thumbs up for me. I'm really excited about it. I kind of want to see more of it once it comes out. I am really interested to see if they change that, you know, controller mapping, if they change the switch gun to triangle. I'd be interested to see that. It was a really cool story, which also I thought is worth noting is the game is called Sentry. It's a first-person tower defense. But you're in a spaceship, and the kind of... (laughs) The conceit of the game is, like, you know, there's, like, however many passengers on the spaceship. And if you die... So, basically, you're on, like, a spaceship. I think you're trying to go to to colonize a planet, and then aliens are trying to board the spaceship, and I think that's the story. Mm. And the computer wakes up a single person, and that is your Sentry... And you kind of play until that one person dies, and then it wakes up the next person. And so it's kind of like only
1: ever one person at a time. Oh, so that's the story that you got while I was playing the game. I didn't know what the story was. I was just having fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that that was a good demo because they had a demo that you could see, but they also had, like, other developers there that could explain the game and what was going on while you were maybe watching or in line. And so I think they demoed that one really well. And I thought that was cool because they kind of said, yeah, there is like it is a roguelike, but it is like there is a finite amount of runs that you can do before it's over and you kind of (laughs) lose. I thought that was interesting. But I guess I just wanted to give a shout out to the developer on this one because we demoed this on Saturday. And, you know, we were there for four days. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And his voice was shot on Saturday. So, yeah. I mean, it was a very popular demo. Like, the art style is really cool, and, you know, it's a cool art style first-person shooter, so it's going to get a lot of attention. There you go. Thumbs up for me.
1: Sentry yep. coming soon.
0: Would you be able to do the Strayed Light one, Andrew?
1: I will happily talk about straight Lights. This is a game that neither of us played, but we got to watch somebody play, and it's very, very pretty, but that the art style has a fatal flaw. Which I do want to talk about, which I think is important to talk about as well, but Mm -hmm. the game is called Stray Lights. It comes out on April 25th for, I think, every platform. There's a demo right now on Steam that might be the one that we played. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of like a... I couldn't hear the game, but I don't believe there was any... Dialogue. I think it's kind of like an
0: action souls like kind of.
1: Yeah, it's a souls like is what it is. And so the story is just told through the visuals, which are stunning. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of, you're exploring this weird dark world, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, you're possessed by the light, and then there's all these big light monsters. And so the 3D third person, you know, souls like kind of a game, the enemies as you face them will turn different colors and it'll be between like a gold and a blue will. So in the middle of a fight, your enemy will be gold and then they'll change blue and then they'll change gold. And you as your character have to also change to match whatever color the enemy is at that moment in order for certain attacks to hit certain ways, which is a really interesting mechanic that I haven't seen before where it's where you just have to look at the color. So that's between Mm -hmm. like a, a reddish gold and then a blue and then um, sometimes the enemy will attack in purple, and that is something that you just have to dodge. You can't parry or, or avoid that. And watching this, I, I don't know how long we got to watch it, it be played. It was quite a while, and, I mean, it looked fantastic. It looked like, you know, a triple A game that was really... I don't know much about this developer, Embers, but they really put a lot of time into this to make it beautiful. The game looked nearly complete by the time we played it, which was about a month before release date on all platforms. I was Mm -hmm. blown away. And the drawback, which I think is important, which is another reason I'm glad you were with us, Blake, is Mm -hmm. this is if you have issues with identifying colors or are colorblind in any way, you're going to have a very hard time with this game, which is disappointing because that blue and that purple are hard to tell apart.
0: Yeah, I could not differentiate between the blue and the purple, and you're kind of like you said, it. if the enemy is gold, you have to like kind of switch to your player being gold so you can parry it, and if you can't tell which attacks you can parry and which ones you have to dodge, like there's just no way I'm going to be able yeah. to play this game. So it looked really cool, but it's a thumbs down for me. There's no way I could play this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give it probably a double thumbs up for me, and I don't have, <laughs> and that's truly because. I can see the full range of colors, but I think that it's a... You asked the developers specifically about this, and what did they say? They said no. There's no colorblind mode. Yeah, and I think if there's a way to... I mean, because I don't know what percentage of people have these kind of color you know, differentiation issues, but I mean, those are people that just can't play a game that you've made. And so that disappoints me, because this does look like a really nice game.
0: It does look really cool. I do kind of wish I, you know, would have had the option, but truly there's no way I'd be able to play this one and it would just be totally lost on me, but there's plenty of other Souls-like games out there, so I think I'll be all right. But this one, I mean, visually, it is really cool and it, you know, the art style and story look pretty awesome. There you go. Strayed Lights. Yes. Strayed Lights out on all platforms, April 25th. And I think we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So I think we'll just move right on into the next game, which is Wargroove 2. This is published by Chucklefish, which also published one of my favorite games of the past few years called Eastward. And they had like a whole booth there, you know, like some indie publishers like Devolver and Chucklefish. They have bigger booths and they kind of showcase all their other games. Like Devolver was there and they had Angerfoot, Terra Nil, and they had like Cult of the Lamb and some other games as well that were there this year and Chucklefish was no different they were kind of next to Devolver and they had their own kind of booth and one of the games they were showing off was Wargroove 2 which is kind of a a turn-based strategy combat game but it has like really colorful pixel art to it and I think that it it kind of said or how one of the publishers was there kind of explaining the game and they were kind of like oh it's kind of like Advance Wars which I had never really played. I don't really have any experience with advanced wars, but I did look at that game up afterwards and it does kind of look a little bit visually like that. It's kind of like silly and colorful, but it's more like pirates and you have teams with swords and you kind of like maneuver units across like a board and it's turn-based and you, you know, deal damage, receive damage. And it was really fun. I actually had a really good time with it. I think it is kind of linear and you kind of, Progress through a, a story in a world. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I might give it, you know, two thumbs up. I'll give it one thumbs up, and if it's on sale, I'll probably check it out. But I thought it was really wholesome and a fun time, and I really enjoyed that one. So that's Wargroove 2. Definitely look up the visuals. They have Wargroove 1 is out already, and I think Wargroove 2 is coming out later this year. But I guess one thing I did want to highlight before we move on is this game was incredibly polished. And, you know, a lot of the games that we play, you know, our demos and, you know, like Angerfoot, like that's coming out later this year. And we kind of seemed like we had some, I guess, like small problems with it, with it running. And, you know, some of the other demos, you know, they have some slight issues as well. But this one really felt incredibly polished. And I I thought it was really kind of snappy and clicky. And, I mean, as much as turn-based combat can be. and, And I thought it was really fun.
1: Good, yeah, I did not get a chance to play this. I'm just looking at it for the first time right now. It doesn't seem like something I would be interested in, but I'm glad you had fun. Wargroove 2. Yeah, Wargroove 2.
0: So the next one on our list is Astria Six-Sided Oracles. And I just gotta say, this is one of my top three demos that i played here. I absolutely love this one. I've actually, I had had this game on my wish list before PAX and then I saw it at PAX, and I was like, oh, shit, i got to play this. This looks incredible.
1: <laughs> so, so, yes. really... so behind the scenes here is I think every day we were there, we had to go by this booth a few times to see how long the wait was. And there was a pretty good wait. And Blake mm-hmm. was like, oh, we got got to play it. i got to play it. So finally on that last day, we just toughed it out. And Waited in line. the reader, yeah. Blake, played it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was really fun.
0: I mean, how long do you think I spent with this demo?
1: Probably 20, 30 minutes? At least, yeah. I mean, you spent a while with it. I checked out a few other things while you were were sitting down with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. I did have to wait a little bit to... I had to wait my turn, and I was really excited for it. So I played the whole thing, and I beat the demo. And the demo is out now. So I guess really quick, obviously, it's the visuals that kind of drew me in. The visuals are very unique, and they're really cool. It's a deck building roguelike kind of game, but instead of a building a deck of cards, you kind of build a deck of dice. So it's a dice building, or yeah, a dice deck building roguelike kind of, and there are some really cool, unique elements to it that I'm not gonna try to explain, because the demo's out now, and I think you can play the demo as much as you want. They have a couple different characters, and you can try it with the, you know, different dice sets for different characters, And I would just, you know, just check this one out, especially if you like games like Marvel Snap or Slay the Spire or any other kind of deck building kind of game. Just go play this demo because it is absolutely sick. This has got two thumbs up from me. I demoed it and I have the demo on my Steam Deck and I'm probably going to play it again today with the other character. And I'm just so excited for this one. So it's Astria Six Sided Oracles. Check it out. Two thumbs up from me.
1: I got to watch you play it for a bit. I will say it looks very fun when if you're into it. It also looks very complicated. It looked like it had a story that would just fly right over my head. You have a lot more patience with these kinds of games than I do, which is awesome. This looks a little more complicated. But this is just from the outside. I know I've felt that way about games before, and then I actually sat down and played them and loved them. So yeah, but there are some complicated elements and I I will try to I guess give a little flavor
0: to those. It helped that I had like one of the it was actually somebody from the publishing studio. They were kind of you know over my shoulder and, and I was able to ask them questions because it just so happened as soon as I sat down after waiting in line, there was no line behind me. so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, I know. That was it's funny I, how that works. It is. And you know, he was able to kind of just like watch me over my shoulder and I was like, "Hey, what does this mean? What does this mean?" And having that, you know, really added some context to it. So if you look at the screenshots, there's kind of a bar on the bottom of the screen, and that bar is is your health. And you're going to take damage and it says so you get like 3 or 4 dice a turn and it says above like the enemy's head how much damage they're gonna do to you on their next turn so the damage that you're gonna take at the start of your next turn is a known quantity which is pretty common and you kind of have to manipulate that but that bar the health bar right so you've got three lives and if the health bar gets to zero it, it knocks down one of your lives which is a heart which you'll also be able to see on the left side of the screen if you're looking at a screenshot there are specific dice that you can get that you can use on your turn but you can only use them if your health is below a certain amount so there are dice that do damage to you so you could potentially do damage to you so you can use one of your dice that your character can use once a turn if you have low enough health for it and you know but it's a dice so it's truly a roll of the dice and some of them are more favorable than others and when you complete a combat encounter you are prompted to you know, pick a risky or a safe dice. And it kind of, if you, you have to like highlight it, like it doesn't show you, you have to kind of click on it and it'll show you of like the six sides, how many of them are positive or negative and to what degree. So with the character that I played in the middle of their health bar, they had a dice that let you re-roll a dice. So you could use this to re-roll your opponent's dice or you could do it to re-roll one of your own dice. So you've got like a deck of dice and if let's say you have a really powerful dice but it's kind of risky and you didn't get the favorable outcome and instead of doing six damage to your opponent it's going to do two damage to you, you can roll that dice or use that ability to re-roll that dice and then it might change the outcome and instead of, you know, maybe doing six damage it does four. And, you know, you're able to... But, I mean, those are preset per side mm-hmm. of the dice, and you can see that when you select a dice.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely interested to try to see if the genre of dice deck building takes off. This specific game might not be my entry into it, but the mechanics of dice instead of cards add some interesting flavor. As far as Astrea's yeah, really six-sided awesome. oracles, that'll probably be a thumbs down for me. But uh, you're starting to <laughs> learn the differences between Blake and I, which is fun. If you go to one of these kinds of conventions, go with somebody who likes different games than you because you will get to play games you would not otherwise sit down at, and you might enjoy them. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just to add some context, we also had a, a third friend with us, mm-hmm.
0: and they played that game Strayed Lights, and they, they play a lot of Souls-like games. And I was kind of telling Andrew, we were both watching him play the Strayed Lights demo. And he made it all the way through, and he did incredible. And we were we were both like, man, I could
1: not do this in this amount of time. <laughs> exactly, that's right. He so, really. It was fun to watch somebody kind of just wreck a game. Mm-hmm. So and uh, he was doing really good at that. Indeed. The next one to talk. This is oh two one thumbs of the up ones... for me
0: for Astra. Yes.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> While he was playing that, I sat down. This is another game from the same publisher, Akupara Games. I don't even really know how to say it if it's Zoeti. They've got a
0: really... Oh, I would you Akuparo. Oh. <laughs> They have
1: a really cool logo, the publisher. They had a couple
0: games they were showcasing. I had never heard of them, but, you know, definitely it's an indie publisher to put on your
1: radar. Yes. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so one of their games is, I think it's Zoeti. It might be Zodi. Not entirely sure. It's
0: Z-O-E-T-I.
1: Correct, and it's a deck game. It's not exactly a deck-building game. I don't know what the story is. I fast-forwarded through all that, so that tells you who I am. But when you get into these turn-based encounters, you have a deck of cards that is like a deck of playing cards with, like, Mm -hmm. diamonds and spades and clubs and stuff. Oh,
0: that's interesting.
1: The main mechanic for how you attack is whether you can put together, like, poker hands with the cards you have oh that's
0: cool yeah so if you had
1: three of a kind if you had a full house if you had a straight if you had a pair you know any hand you could play in poker then those would do different amounts of damage and as you progress through the game it seems like you unlock and then can change what each poker hands attack is or block or whatever Mm -hmm. the action is and so you just draw I think it's a set amount of cards at random, quote unquote, and then you play until you're out of cards, you know, in that encounter. So it's it's a pretty straightforward play style, and it was nice for me as somebody who doesn't do a ton of these. I'm trying to wrap my head around Magic: The Gathering and stuff like that. I can do Mm -hmm. Hearthstone okay, but it was a really low, you know, entry barrier that it's just a playing cards. Which I thought yeah, was, was that's really a cool. cool. Concept. Yeah, so I have this on my wish list, I'll give it two thumbs up. It's supposed to come out April twentieth, which I don't know when this episode goes up, it, it might be out already.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you know if they had a demo available for this game?
1: I don't see a demo here on Steam, so I obviously played something at PAX, but I don't know that there's a demo available right now.
0: Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm I'm gonna put that one on my wish list. I didn't play it, so I'm gonna reserve my judgment. But Zoeti. Yeah, that's awesome, Zoeti. And the next one is called Gigabash, and this one was really fun. So, like I said, we were I mean we were there on this day. We had a group of three, and it was like a four person isometric brawler, yeah. and it was really cool because there was a kind of a line, and there was a single we really like, hey like jump on the controller with us and. And it was kind of just a 1v1 King of the Hill type brawler. And it had officially licensed characters. I don't know if characters is the right word. But it was like Godzilla and a bunch of other, I guess, what? so what is that? It's not a mech. A kaiju is the term. A kaiju, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a kaiju battler, yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of fun. It was really fun. This game was really fun to play. I came up on top, (laughs) um, obviously. Had to throw that in there. (laughs) I gotta tell the listeners here that in our notes, Blake's three words to describe this game were, this was rad, so that's... uh... (laughs) It
0: was very rad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know, 1v1v1, I guess, so so you could do all, Mm -hmm. all four people. I don't know if I had enough ones and Vs there, but it was fun to play with the licensed Toho characters as well as Godzilla and whatever else, and there's a little bit of environment destruction too, so you're like playing this brawler in a city, like your Godzilla, mm-hmm. against all these other people. I think I held my ground for what I remember. Blake did win.
0: I hit random on the character selection. And I think you and I, our buddy did like Godzilla and like a steel Godzilla. <laughs> and the other person, the single, they picked a building. Which was kind of fun because it was kind of like, oh, where is this person again? Because
1: right. they kind of blended into the environment. Yeah, the it was just cool was that you can play as a, a building. building. That, which was, <laughs> I love that this game is out right now um and i think that the godzilla new kind of pack of characters is probably the new content that they were showing off i don't know if that's out mm-hmm. now uh, it looks like it is actually the dlc yeah so
0: i think the game was out and then this was dlc they were showing off at the
1: so on steam the base game is 35 dollars. if you buy the base game plus the godzilla bundle you're at 45 dollars. I got to tell you, from what I played, that's too much money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. I will give this a thumbs up because it was a lot of fun. I'm not paying $35 for it, certainly not 45 If that was lowered, I would consider it. I don't know if there's a single player, if it's just this party, you know, fun game. I know games are expensive to make, but that's too much money for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to put a price tag on it, but I mean, it kind of seems like this is a party game. You can play on multiplayer with your friends. They did say there was cross play and cross progression, but obviously you want to check that out. You know, just double check that you can actually play with your friends on the platforms you're on. But I would definitely pick this game up if it was on a heavily yes. discounted sale. Yes. I don't want to put like a dollar value on it, but I, I feel like I wouldn't feel like I was getting ripped off if I paid under 20 for sure. it. I think but I agree. I mean, over over that, I mean, it's really, you're only going to be playing with friends. So
1: Right, right. So that's a gigabash.
0: Gigabash. This one, we won't spend too much time on this one. This one's called Goodbye World. This has a really cool Game Boy aesthetic to it. And you've probably seen this indie game on like a Nintendo Direct. Let me make sure I have the right name. Yeah, you do. Goodbye Goodbye World. World. Okay. And you know, I think, I'm just going to say, I had this game on my wish list. I was really excited for this one. This game did not demo well. And I think they just started you out in the beginning of the game. Which, you know, maybe we can talk about what makes a good demo later on. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just got put into the beginning of this game and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I couldn't really make heads or tails of it. I don't know. It just didn't click for me. And I really would have loved to love this game because I I think the art's incredible. But it just didn't click for me. It didn't play right for me in the demo. So it's going to be a thumbs down for me. But I wish that this did something for me. Yeah, maybe I'll give it another chance in the future. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say thumbs down for me too. I straight up just didn't get it. And even if I did get it, it didn't look like the gameplay was for me. I will say I'm looking at it on Steam. Recent reviews are very positive. So some people like it, but yeah, I don't get it. So goodbye yeah, world.
0: So, yeah, I think it's kind of like a heavily story-based game and they start you off playing like a Game Boy kind of game, like a DMG Game boy S game that they created. And I think that that game is you know, part of like this overall narrative isometric game that's got really beautiful pixel art, but I just didn't get to that part. Yeah. Oh, well. we just didn't make it there. Yeah, thumbs down for me. And another <laughs> another one. This is called Rightfully Barry Arms and by Barry B E A R Y. And this is a roguelike shoot 'em up. And you play as a teddy bear, and it has this really cool art style, and you wield these humongous guns that are just way too big for the teddy bear's body, and (laughs) I just feel like whenever you look at it, it is very visually interesting, and it's interesting to watch, and, you know, I saw this game last year, and I remembered it. I remember it sticking out in my brain, like, man, I wish I would have played that one. That one I should have waited in line to play, and, you know, it's cool that it made a return this year. It's in early access right now, and... They had a demo available, but it's gone. They took it off Steam, but <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. And it was kind of like one of the ones that got away from me last year. And uh, I just think it's so cool to watch this, but whenever I hopped on, it just did not feel good to play for me. So I'm I actually might watch this one on Twitch. I don't know, but that's gonna be a thumbs down for me. It didn't play as cool as it looked.
1: Yeah, I didn't get to play it. I was just watching blake struggle with it it's not as fun to watch somebody you know struggle with the game you know it's definitely in the same vein as like uh enter the gungeon or the binding of isaac you know that kind of roguelike type thing it looks fun it looks cute it looks like it could be a lot of fun
0: yeah i have never played either of those games so maybe it's something i just was i was missing that yeah i just didn't understand the genre
1: but it looked really cool Yeah, it comes out in quarter three of this year, so there's still time for them to mess with it. So I'll give it a a sideways thumb for now. Um, Yeah, thumbs down for me. (laughs) Rightfully, (laughs) Barry Arms. And there was
0: also, you know, I mean, we've kind of talked about what PAX is, you know, obviously there's a lot of demos, but there's also, you can demo some hardware there as well. Mm -hmm. And we were able to demo some PCs. So would you maybe like to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. You know, so in addition to games, there are. Companies like Logitech, which I think we'll get to in a bit, and like Intel, I mean, they have huge booths trying to push hardware onto people and gaming setups and enter a drawing to win this, you know, $50,000 PC or whatever. We did not win.
0: But it there's also, really cool though.
1: Yeah, It did look cool. But uh, there are also areas that are free play areas. And I know on the main level, which we're going to talk about, we sat at the PC free play area up in some of the upper levels. There are console free play areas, and it's basically... You get a certain amount of time with a PC or a console, and there mm-hmm. are just games loaded onto it. These are games that are already out, and you can just play. And that's to try out some games that are already out as well as to try out some, maybe some new hardware if you're looking for new monitor, new keyboard, new computer, new anything. And so one of the the games that it has been out for almost a year now that we've played in, in one of these sessions is Neon White. And I feel like... We're a little late to the party because I know this got a ton of hype when it came out. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I had so much fun. Uh, I'll say right off the bat this is a two thumbs up from me. I have purchased this game for the Switch. I played, I was just telling Blake, I played it on an airplane, <laughs> which was a great experience. <laughs> this is a really interesting game. Video Game Dunkey said it great when he was like, This is a video game that, that makes you feel like you're good at video games, which is always a lot of fun. You are moving very quickly through an environment. You're picking up guns. You're using all the ammo, and then each gun has a secondary ability when you discard it that it will throw a grenade or make you jump or do any number of tasks. And the visual thing, which I think is hard to wrap your head around at first if you're just looking at screenshots, is the guns you pick up, are they look like cards. It shoots like a gun, but you pick up a card that is a gun basically and so you go through these very small levels with a ton of platforming picking up these cards that you know are guns that you shoot and then you discard them and those have a secondary action you just move and platform and kill everything and try to get to the end as soon as possible the story is it's a very anime <laughs> sometimes it's pretty cringy it's inappropriate it's what I mean you know it's it's that kind of genre. There's a very easy option to skip it if you get fed up with it. But the gameplay, man, the gameplay, ton of fun. I would give it three thumbs up if I had a third arm.
0: Yeah, this was really a surprise hit for both of us. And I guess last year we also did demo these PCs and we were able to check out. I checked out Tunic last year, which was really interesting. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I also really love Neon White. I can't wait to pick it up. I'm The hesitancy on me picking it up is I just don't know which platform I want to pick mm-hmm. it up on. And I think I want to pick it up on PlayStation just because it's one of those things where it just feels really good to play. And I kind of am trying to decide which controller, you know, which setup, how I want to actually experience this game. I don't think I'd want to pick it up on my Switch and play it on an airplane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will tell you, it the there was no frame rate issues. It played very well. Obviously, you know, That's on an good. airplane, That's I good. was Dude. playing the Switch in handheld mode, so you're limited by. By some of that. I know on a console or on a PC, the graphical quality will be better, but with a game like this, when you're playing it so quickly, it's really the frame rate and the responsiveness that are super key, because you Mm. have to hit things very specifically. And and I will tell you, having the digital triggers of the Switch versus analog triggers on something like a PlayStation, I feel like that almost Mm. made it better, because I could hit it more accurately. Your mileage may vary, but that was some of my thinking with that, and I wanted portability. Obviously, you have a Steam Deck, so there's another consideration mm-hmm. too, because I'm sure it would run just fine on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sure which one I, <laughs> I want to pick it up on. I got a lot of options, so that's my hesitancy on that. But yeah, two thumbs up for me. Like this was so much fun. We even went back to to play it again we did. the next that's day because we were like, let's just go play Neon White again, yeah. and we did that. So, so yeah, there are these areas where you can kind of. Um, like, go in and, and get some time with the PC. Um, there were also, I guess, to set the stage for this next game, there was another area where they had these, like, huge Alienware PCs, and it was a Publisher's Booth, and it's the publisher that recently published Atomic Heart, which you might have heard of. It got a lot of buzz when it came out. Some of it good, some of it bad. But I guess essentially this game, it got very mixed reviews because it, it was very visually stunning, but a lot of people had problems with the gameplay. A lot of people had problems with the dialogue. And I guess not really to get into that, but there was a huge line because they were demoing that game. And I really wanted to check that one out. But the line was just so long, we just didn't get a chance. But we kind of stepped in line. And then I was like, you know, there's, I see these like these tapes, like lines of tape on the ground. I'm just going to go ask them if we're in the right line. And I went to ask them because there was also another game that I wanted to demo. And i asked them like hey what is this line for and they're like this line's for atomic heart and i was like would i have to wait in this if i want to play another one of your games and they were like no i mean it depends on which game it is <laughs> the next game i want to talk about is called chained echoes and this game was awesome but i guess the that's a jump to it there wasn't a line for chained echoes there was this huge line for atomic heart and we were able to get in and i was able to play chained echoes and You played a different
1: game. I did, and I I know it's not on our list, but I will talk about that briefly before uh, we move on after this.
0: Okay. And I'm not going to tell anyone how they should demo a game at PAX, but this was absolutely not the way to demo a game because we (laughs) sat down and there was this huge line the whole weekend and we sat down and I was like, so how long do I have to demo this? And they said, well, you know, the game's like 22 hours, you could play the whole thing if you wanted. They're like, there's no time limit, you can stay here as long as you want.
1: Was like, oh, Meanwhile, okay. people in the line were just staring us down so angry. Because we, but...
0: yeah, because we, like, cut everybody. Because, yeah. I don't know, we went to ask, but.
1: Yeah, it pays hey, to ask.
0: Yeah, um, but I just could not believe when I heard that. I mean, like, you have one of the biggest lines here, and you're letting people play however long you want. I mean. That's why the land <laughs> Yeah, but Chained Echoes. Oh, my gosh. This game absolutely rules, man. And I guess I just got to say this, you know, right off the top. I have thought about this game every single day since i demoed it. Wow. And it's out now. I'm so incredibly excited to play this game. I cannot express enough how excited I am for this. Like, I've almost bought it half a dozen times. And the reason I haven't is I'm, I'm just playing some games for the show right now that I really wanna finish up. There's some new releases that you know are really big for Brandon and I, and we're gonna bring those up on the show. And I guess I kind of just wanted to have like a just a maybe quick discussion on you know you gotta find you know medium I mean you have to find it on your own time and this is like a thirty hour JRPG it's got turn-based combat the pixel art was incredible there's mechs and the combat was really interesting and I'm just so excited to play it so definitely two thumbs up from me but I mean I just don't have time to play this game right now so as soon as I check some other things off my list this is gonna be the next rpg that i tackle and i just can't wait for it i mean they, it wasn't a demo they let us play the game and i got to play the intro and if you've played the intro or if you've heard about this game it's really cool so i guess i'll just say right now i don't know you know what happens and i guess this is spoilers for the intro of this game i mean it, it happened it's like the first act or not even like we did this like an hour and basically you know you start on like you, you're a mercenary you go on this mission and i talk to every single npc and every single npc like they were talking about what they're going to do after this one last job. And they're like, yeah, this is the craziest job we've ever pulled. But like hell, I'm going to send my sister to school after this or or whatever. Like I'm going to finally like use this to like build that farm. Or there's just so many different like things. And like, you kind of just talk to them like the members of your crew and you get to like kind of learn about them. And then I don't know if this has any impact on the game. And maybe when I pick it up, I might try and do a different dialogue option for this just to see... But there was this guy, and he's like, Yeah, we've got like all this dynamite we've never used. Like, I'm thinking I might just like chuck it, like, once we start the battle. And I was like, Oh, kind of like gave me the option was like, Tell him not to use the dynamite or tell him to use the dynamite. And I told him, I was like, Well, maybe don't use the dynamite. And oh, I was like, come Hey, on, like, man. maybe, <laughs> I know. I was like, Hey, maybe, like, you know, that might hurt like our own troops. Like, maybe we shouldn't do that. And he's like, Oh, you know what? You're right. You're so smart. Like, that's what you're a captain and I'm not. And <laughs> yada, yada. And then you kind of like, have like a kind of like an intimate moment where you're talking with I guess like a crew member and then you know you start the battle and the battle progresses you learn the combat and the combat has a really cool mechanic it's called like overdrive so basically you know at the top left of the screen there's this bar and you have to like you can do attacks and you have like mana to where you can do special attacks And then once you, you know, there's like three bars, it's like a warm up bar and then you're in overdrive mode and then there's like an overheat. And you kind of want to stay inside this overdrive mode because if you're in overdrive mode, obviously you have to build up to get into overdrive mode. But once you get into overdrive mode, your attacks are better, your mana's cut in half, so you can do more special attacks. But if you use a move in overdrive mode, it pushes you really close to the overheat and if you get into overheat you take twice as much damage and your opponents have half cost mana so it's really like you want to kind of stay within this overdrive mode and you do that by passing so instead of attacking you could pass or instead of attacking you could heal and kind of just like managing like which team member you want to use is really cool. So you're kind of managing the turn order and it kind of has the turn order displayed um, on the right side of the screen. And I thought that was really cool. But anyways, you kind of play through this whole demo and pretty much every single person dies. Truly like there's like Boys. a calamity and yeah. <laughs> hey, it's the opening of the game. And you don't know if you like, cause like there's some, there's like a, a character there that's like, Hey, you're being manipulated. Don't do this. And you're like, you're lying. like, why, why would you be telling the truth? And then you do the thing and it kills everyone. And basically it's kind of like, it's a JRPG, right? So it's like you destroy, it's like your mission is to destroy the crystal and you think that this crystal is powering the cannons and their air defense, but then you destroy the crystal and it just blows up the whole nation. It's like kind of like, it turns into a nuke. And it kind of like goes like a cutscene where it's like a year later after this like major calamity, like there's been like a ceasefire on this war because of this like huge catastrophe and... I don't know, and that's where I left the demo. But I was like, oh my god, this is so sick. So, very excited to check this one out. Two thumbs up from me. This game was awesome. This game ripped.
1: There you go. That's Chained Echoes. While he was playing that, quickly, I'll tell you about Holimento, which was the (laughs) game that I played simply because it was the open computer next to him and I didn't have to wait in line. I'll read you the description here on Steam. Holomento is an indie permadeath action RPG focused on the dangerous quest of passing through the mysterious Eventide Hollow and rebuilding it step by step. I will tell you, there was a tutorial that I skipped. And then I got into the, which is my fault. If you, you, you can't tell by now, no, I mean it's a demo. Yeah, Blake you know? and I have different playstyles. Yeah. I just want to get into it. Blake's talking to every NPC about what they had for breakfast, and I'm just like, let me play the game. So, <laughs> so I got into this game. I really didn't know what was going on. You know, 3D action RPG. I was just walking around. There was like some puzzle stuff. I was my character class had a gun, just like a handgun, but it was mostly swords and stuff like that. Very medieval, walking around town, and there were. People that wanted to kill me, so I was trying to kill them. I gotta tell you, I had fun. I didn't know what was happening, but I had fun. And there was one point where I was going down this path, and there was this, this like mini boss basically. And I had already taken a long time to try and defeat one earlier. And so I was like, I don't want to fight this kind of guy again. And so I just kind of ran by him toward like the actual boss. Well, he followed me into the actual boss fight. and So now I had to fight like the boss and the mini boss at the same time. And I won. And that was about the time that we finished the demo. And the developer, I didn't realize, was standing over my shoulder probably for like 20 minutes. And then we got up and he's like, I can't believe you just did that. You beat both of them at the same time. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was really hard, but I guess it was fun. So uh, that's a hollow mento very quickly. I'll give it a thumbs up. I had a nice time it's available right now for 20 bucks on steam if it's on a super sale i might consider it but maybe play the tutorial it did look really cool yeah it looks fun but (laughs) play the tutorial maybe spend some time with the story and don't just skip everything like i have a tendency to holomento
0: yeah it was really cool i kind of i looked over andrew's shoulder as he was playing that when we were there and i i I was reading some dialogue and i was like wait what's andrew doing like oh that looks cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this fun. game did, did look really fun. Do you want to talk about, I guess, the defense of Trewell Towers?
1: Sure. Trewell Towers? I don't know how to say it. This is a VR game. Last time we had a, a lot of fun with a VR game called Demio, which mm-hmm. I think is starting to become a little more popular. I don't know if it's out entirely yet, but it, Demio is... I think it's out. Is it out? Yeah, so it's like you can play a and d kind of a game rather than sitting around a table, everybody puts the VR headsets around and you've got virtual stuff in front of you.
0: Yeah, you're around a virtual table.
1: Which is cool. So that was our VR last year. We also played some other VR games. There weren't as many, I feel like, this year. And so the one that we did play was the Defense of Troll Towers, which is, again, one of these popular genres of tower defense. And this is more literal tower defense because you're in towers and you have a bow and arrow and you have to defend Mm -hmm. them.
0: It's a cool concept, you know, for a VR game. Yes,
1: and Blake was terrible at it. So, <laughs> so no, 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 I mean... Yeah, was, I couldn't figure this one out. I The aiming, it's tough because aiming, I don't play a lot of VR at all. And so trying to aim a bow and arrow when it's VR, it's very different than, you know, when you're in real life because you can't, you know, put your head in the right spot and this and that. But once mm-hmm. I figured out how to aim... I had a great time. It comes out June 23rd, according to Steam here. It felt, to me, just kind of more like a proof of concept. I couldn't see myself playing that for a long time. It was almost just a tech demo of like, Hey, look at how cool it is to shoot goblins or whatever from a tower with a bow and arrow.
0: With a bow and arrow, and yeah.
1: And there was a little bit of resource management. You only had so many bows and you'd have to restock. You could zip line between the two towers, which was kind of cool. Towers would catch on fire. You'd have to put them out. Yeah,
0: I did some of the zip lining. That was really fun in VR. But it was also it was actually climbing, like walking around and climbing up ladders. That was, right. that was kind of a struggle. The one thing I didn't really like with the bow and arrow is you had to to be holding it the whole time. If you ever held a VR controller, they have like grip paddles kind of where it's like a button on the – like where your hand rests. And it's kind of a large button and it's supposed to simulate like if you're picking something up with your hand, if you've ever played VR, you're probably familiar with these hand paddles. And you had to hold the hand paddle the whole time you were holding the bow. And it was kind of just like, oh, if I wanted to grab anything, like I would just go to grab it. And it's like, oh, I dropped my bow. And it's, okay, I got to bend over and pick it up. And I thought that that was kind of tedious and and annoying.
1: Yeah. And, you know, is this a fault of this game? Is this a fault of VR in general? I don't play enough VR to really have a good opinion on that. Yeah. You know, so this was fine. Again, it felt too much like a tech demo for me to really. Recommended. It was a lot of fun because I don't play VR, and once I got the hang of you know bow and arrow, I could sit there you know for quite a while and just knock down all these guys as they're coming up toward my tower. But mm-hmm. you know, I thanks but no thanks. I think for now, thumbs down for me. I'm still really waiting on the VR experience to wow me enough to spend however much money I need to get a VR headset.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, it was a really cool concept, like. My favorite part was, you know, just pulling the arrow out of the quiver, and then it was kind of just, I felt like I was like Legolas, because <laughs> it really is like, you know, it's a video game, you don't actually have to grab it, you just hit the button at the right time and right. you're there, but I actually had a little like glitch where there was like a, an arrow got like stuck in the model of my bow, and the developer was like, oh, hey, what's that over there? Like, what is that? And he kind of like showed him, he's like, just grab a different bow. <laughs>
1: You broke the bow? I broke the bow, yeah. Yeah. Get, I had a good time with you've it. you got me thinking about like a licensed Lord of the Rings where you play as Legolas. That can have possibilities in VR. That would
0: be so sick. I think we're, might be a couple years away Maybe. from that. I'm actually going to give this one a thumbs down. Yeah. I felt a little bit sick after playing
1: this <laughs> Walking around made me so. was a little dizzy. But again, is this VR? Is this the game? I don't know who's at fault here.
0: All right, well, I guess we'll move on to our next one.
1: Sure. So that was the Defense of Truel Towers we just talked about.
0: Yes, the Defense of Truel? Travel?
1: Sure. I don't know. T-R-E-W-E-L.
0: The Defense of Treble Towers. All right, so the next game we're going to check out, or next game we're going to talk about is Radlands. Now, this is not a video game. This is a card game. And another thing that they have at PAX is You know all these board games and card games. You know it's about a quarter of the convention center. A quarter of the floor is you know dedicated to demoing these these card games and board games. And this one was incredibly fun. You know I think we kind of walked around and we're trying to decide which game we wanted to demo because you know these ones that they do have lines, but it's also like you're gonna sit down and play and try it out. So it is a little bit more of a time commitment. So you want to make sure that you're doing the right one. Mm -hmm. And I think last year we demoed this board game that we never would have picked up because, you know, it just it was so expensive with all the parts that you would have had to buy.
1: Oh, yes. I don't remember what that was called.
0: I don't remember exactly what the genre is, but basically you would buy the board and then you would also buy like all the parts and you would like assemble like your own mech um, or your own like starship. And that would. There would be a card associated with the part that you bought. So, I mean, if you had a couple friends that were really into it and you could like, you know, and you had a ton of money, you could buy and build your own starship and then have these battles. And that was incredibly fun, but we never would have spent any money on it. And this one, we're kind of like, let's see if we can, you know, if there's like an experience like that, that we just want to try that we never would buy. Or if there's one that we, you know, would potentially check out. I actually don't think there was as many board games and card game demos this year as there was last year
1: did you feel that way you know i don't think so i I feel like it was about the same there might have been more this year that were themed around like i know because there were a few that we passed that were like hey this is dungeons and dragons except we're doing this and that mm-hmm. stuff we, you know we just person you know weren't that interested in, but I know other people are also
0: the time commitment yeah, of that. You know, I mean, we were not really interested in sitting down to do like an RPG,
1: right? Campaign. Right, and other people were, and, and you know, I, mm-hmm. I know people that went and just played Magic the Gathering for four days and loved it. So if that's you, then that's your experience. No. But you know, that's not really the perspective you're going to get today.
0: no So this one, I think the art really drew me in personally for this one, and it's called Radlands. And it's a physical card game. It's a kind of like a deck-building strategy game, but you have you share a deck. So you and your opponent share a deck. And I, Andrew's making a funny yeah, face. I, so I, I think don't that you I might... know if deck-building
1: is, is the right term.
0: But... <laughs> well, I mean, you have a deck, you yeah. pull cards from it, and you can use them or discard them. And, and there is, you know, some kind of strategy to it. I know you've played... We both bought this game, and you've played it since a couple times. Yes,
1: I have. It's... Number one, two thumbs up for me, obviously. I bought it, and I love it. And Blake and I played it, and then the next, or two days later, played it with uh, our other friend we were with and played this and thought, you know, I can take this home and play this with my girlfriend. Like, and she's not a gamer, right? And so this is mm-hmm. super accessible. And once you're entered, it's so much fun. You have three camps. That you select three lanes. from a yeah three lanes for three camps yeah. and you select camps from a specific deck so there's a number of camps but you'll, you'll have three camps
0: so it's kind of random right camps will be
1: random and each camps have different perks and abilities and then each camp has a lane in front of it that you could place two people to defend that camp and that's the goal of the game is defend your camps destroy your opponent's camps this is a two player game. If you get the super deluxe version, which Blake and I both got for just a little bit more, you get a mat that uh, gives you specific places to put everything, so it's easy to keep track of. And your, your resource is water, so you have these little water tiles. Each turn you get three water that you can spend to either play cards or to use cards abilities to either damage opponent's cards, damage opponent's camps, or... It gets so more in-depth from there. You know, you just kind of pull the card, and you have to kind of read what it does and, and how much water it costs and the different possibilities.
0: Yeah, you start with your board, or, you know, when you draw your camps, that kind of determines how many cards right. you start off with in your hand, and then you can only draw one That's turn. That's correct.
1: Well, here's what I was going to say. When you play a card, it costs water, but if you have a card that you, you know, don't think you want to play, Every single card also has an ability that for free you can use by discarding it. It's called junking the card. Mm-hmm. And so that opens up a whole new, you know, realm of possibilities because even if you're out of water for that turn, you've spent all three of your water, you can still complete actions by discarding cards whatever you have in your hand and you can, you know, there's a way to stock up extra water for the next turn and it's very Once you get kind of wrap your head around it, you know, it's just a few symbols you have to understand that'll be on the cards to determine the actions. You can just go and you get really into it. And my girlfriend wanted me to mention on this podcast that we've played it, I think, three or four times since I brought it home. And she has beat me every single time. (laughs) It's a ton of fun.
0: (laughs) Wow. This is a tough track record because, you know, I beat you. No, I I, I I think I beat you. you won? Have you won?
1: Oh, you think? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I've lost <laughs> every time I've played it, but it's telling that I even had fun uh, while losing. It's a, a great time. No,
0: this game is so fun. It really, I mean, you have to have, like, you have to deploy a strategy and it is kind of, you know, kind of random. It's kind of forced on you, you know, what kind of strategy you're going to have to. I mean, obviously you have options, but it's really cool because you really have to think on your toes and whenever you pull a move off, it feels really yeah. satisfying and it does kind of Reward you for you know these small victories of pulling off like a one to two card strategy, or it's like oh that worked out and I was able to really damage them, or I knew they were going to do that and I was able to block at this or counter, and it makes you feel smart and it's really fun and I can't believe how much fun I had playing the demo and I I mean I have it so I can't wait to bust it out here in New York. So that's Radlands, yep. and I will also give the I guess it's publisher I don't know if they developed these games as well they did a great job demoing this game and another game as well which maybe we'll touch on briefly yeah I guess they had another game there I guess I'll just shout it out it was called Skyrise Skyrise and this game looked really cool we didn't get a chance to play this one because they only had the one game and they were like oh like we have this up on our website and that one looked really cool they kind of gave like a demo of how to play it and I was like, man, I might get this. So I was really interested in what they did. They did an excellent job explaining what the games were and demoing them, and then giving you know people an option to play. So and they were very reasonably priced too, which I think is worth mentioning. You know, with these board games and card games, yes, it was very reasonably priced for board games and card games. And with Radland specifically, the cards are they're plastic. They've got a good feel to them, but you know they're not going to degrade over time. For the most part, you know, within reason.
1: So, Roxley is the publisher. I'm on the website right now. Mm-hmm. So, Radlands is the game that we got to play. And the mats I was talking about—they're actually called Hazmats, which I think is hilarious because <laughs> it's a cyberpunk theme and it's a very silly. Anyway, so yes, those were—that's the one card game or the two, I guess, board games we're going to shout out here on, on the list today. Back to the virtual world.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, this next game that we're going to talk about is called Wild Frost. And this one is also published by Chucklefish, um, publishers of Eastward and Wargroove 2. I was super excited to play this one. This one is a deck-building roguelite, and it's got an incredibly cool art style. This game's already out. It wasn't out at the time of PAX, and it's been released. Uh, I think it's gotten decent reviews. I was so excited for this one. And on the last day, I was like, all right, now's the time. I'm going to wait in the line and play it. And I waited in line and played it, and I had a terrible time with it, which was was really sad. I was so excited to play this one. The art style was just so cool and cute. But I found this incredibly grueling and so hard. I don't know if I got incredibly unlucky. It kind of seems like I I spoke to the developers after, or I guess they weren't developers. The person I spoke to was from um, Chucklefish, and they were part of the publishing team. And they said, "Yeah, I think you just got some really bad luck." Um, but this, I think they do have a demo available for this on Steam. But it was just—it was incredibly grueling. Um, you know, you you're building a deck as you you know defeat enemies. You know, you get random cards, and then you can kind of build a deck based on these random cards. And they have different strategies you can entail. And it seemed, for whatever reason, whenever I got these random cards, it happened to be that the next enemy encounter that I was facing also use the same strategy that I did and they have you have a a limited selection of characters and these characters are cards themselves and they're a lot more powerful than the enemies but there's a lot more of the enemies and it kind of seems that like for example there was one enemy that was every time an enemy is poisoned this enemy gains two damage or this enemy gains a health. Where every time an enemy is po, or any time anybody is poisoned, you know, the whole team gets a buff. And it just so happens that whenever I got the random cards to get a poison build, the random enemy I was facing also had a poison strategy. So if I poisoned somebody, which was my whole strategy, their entire team would get buffed. It just didn't work for me. I'm really sad about it because it was just incredibly grueling. I actually didn't complete it, and they kicked me off. They said, we'll have to let somebody else play. They said, you're I so like, bad, we
1: can't let you continue so playing. You're so bad.
0: It. Yeah. No. And, and then they told me after, they're like, yeah, you must have just got some really bad luck. I was like, well, that's, that just stinks. So, thumbs down for me, even though the art style and publisher I'm a huge fan of, didn't click.
1: I did not uh, have a chance to play Wild Frost. I'm sure if Blake couldn't handle the complexity of it, then... Probably not for me either, but it does look very pretty. So, uh, good luck to those out there for Wild Frost.
0: Yeah, and I think it, I mean it's got pretty good reviews. If you're into rogue-based or rogue-like deck builders, but just not for me. So I guess moving on to the next yes. one, is a piece of hardware. This is really cool. This is the Logitech G Cloud Gaming handheld console, <laughs> which is a a handheld you know device akin to the Steam Deck. However, it doesn't really run games natively. It's all via the cloud. Hence the name Logitech G Cloud Gaming Handheld Console, which has a great ring to it, might I add. (laughs) You can play Android games on this device, but it, it was primarily, they were showing off Xbox Game Pass, which is their partner. Logitech was partnered with Game Pass for this, and it was a really... Nice handheld in your hands. It actually felt incredibly good. The grips, you know, felt awesome. The actual build quality was really nice, and I, I do really like how this device looks. Like I thought about buying one, and the price just wasn't right for me. I mean, it's about the price of a Nintendo Switch, and you can't really run native games on it unless you. I mean, you can. You just have to kind of work around the Android operating mm. system. So if you're if you have the knowledge and skill set to do that. For me personally, I think it would be more pain than what it's worth for the price tag. But I did really, you know, the build quality was absolutely there. And, you know, if you're a cloud gamer and have Xbox Game Pass, this is a great option. I played some Forza on it and it ran pretty okay. But the convention center (laughs) Wi-Fi was ass. So I couldn't get anything to load on my phone. So I think it's just a miracle that they got anything to run on those things.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a chance to take a tour of the hardware, but I'll just quickly throw in my two cents about cloud gaming i think cloud gaming is awesome but the reason i think it's awesome is because it's cloud gaming allows you to game with whatever you have and so to me you know if i'm in a cloud game and i'm going to get serious about it i don't want to pay for hardware i want to mm-hmm. be able to use my crappy old laptop my phone and my whatever that I already have that natively, you know, is way underpowered for anything I want to play. But if I have a good internet connection. It's cloud gaming, so
0: it should be able
1: to. Exactly. And so, you know, I don't understand buying a product only to stream something to it. I mean, I it, it has a controller, I guess, kind of built into it. It looks like a Switch. It looks like a Steam Deck. But for this kind of a thing, I feel like a backbone for your phone. Or just, you know, grab a, an Xbox controller and plug it into, you know, an old laptop you have to cloud game. I mean, I think that's just fine, but that's my opinion on cloud gaming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we actually touched on this a little bit in our previous episode. Yeah, I've been cloud gaming on my Steam Deck. I've also been cloud gaming, you know, through my phone. I have a pretty decent Wi-Fi in my apartment. And, you know, this device does the, it would do the exact same thing. And... It's actually, it's more expensive than I thought it was. I thought it was 199 so I thought it was about $200. It is $300, no, no. and when it launched, it was 350 and they have dropped the price. Yeah, I... But I mean, yeah, like you said, the price just isn't, isn't there for what it is. But tactically in your hands, it feels awesome, and is a good handheld on those merits. If you have too much money, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so moving on. This game, 30XX. This one is very much, you know, it's an action platformer, a roguelike game. The art style is very colorful, very reminiscent of a a Mega
1: Man type game. Oh, see, this is what I wanted to say. Blake has a note in here specifically to not say it's like Mega Man, but mm -hmm. it's like Mega Man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this one really wears its uh, inspiration on its sleeve. You know, I, I thought it was fun. I actually think it's kind of expensive for what it is. So I'm going to give this one a thumbs down, but it was fun to play. It's fun. Yeah, to on
1: sale, point. yeah, I, I don't know if we need to describe it too much more than... It's like Mega Man. This one, it really is. I will so say, the, uh, tw- 20 <laughs> bucks right now, which, which is expensive on sale, maybe, for this kind of a game. I will say, looking at Steam, it has a level editor, which for this kind of a game, like a Sonic kind of a Mega Man side-scroller... That could get really fun, depending on what the online community is like. Turning it into like a Mario Maker kind of a thing. So that's interesting. Other than that, it's Mega Man, and it almost looks like Mega Man. So,
0: yeah, thirty XX for me. Thirty XX. This next game. Did you play this one? It's called Nocturnal.
1: I did. This okay. is I'll on team wish Wishlist right now. I'll give it two oh, thumbs awesome. up after the beginning. This was. Uh, it's a side scroller. Action platformer. I really like the art style and the combat.
0: It was really, it was really cool. It was really yeah. fun to watch.
1: I don't really recall too much about the story, but it it's medieval. You're in a castle. It's all very kind of dark, and there's a mist everywhere, and so you're trying to clear out like the mist or the fog, and eventually you discover fire, and then your sword lights on fire, and yeah, you kind
0: of have to like slash through a lantern. Right, and your sword lights on fire, and you've got a bar at the bottom It's right. Right. So the machine.
1: Right, so on. you're only on fire for a certain amount of time, and you have to while you do that, you have to kill enemies, but also like light more lanterns throughout like these dungeon, you know, castles or whatever. It just it played really. It's a cool well.
0: concept because you're you're adding light to the castle and kind of right. adding in, light to the area that
1: you're chasing in. away the fog, chasing away the darkness, and I gotta tell you, it just. I really enjoyed how it played. It felt good. It looked good. I don't. It says it'll release in quarter two of this year. I don't know how much it'll be, but I'm into it. If, if As long as it's not too much money, I really got hooked, and I, I could see myself doing more. So two thumbs up for me for Nocturnal. Awesome. Yeah, thumbs down for me. It was fun to watch, but not for me.
0: Moving on, Animal Well. Do you want to talk about this? One? I would
1: love to talk about Animal Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is probably, at least from the media that I follow, this is one of the most talked about new games and the most famous of the ones that I played. This is a, a Metroidvania, very cool, very Hollow Knight feel. It's become pretty famous because I mentioned Video Game Dunkey earlier, his new production publisher, Company Big Mode is behind this. I think he actually stopped at PAX. I did not see him, but I saw pictures afterwards, which is fine. But this game looks awesome. And you play is this like little blob thing going through deep down into these hollow night looking, very pretty levels, and there are these animals that pop up every once in a while, but it's a puzzle platformer, at least from the portion that I got to play in the demo where you really just have to think and utilize your environment so much more than just like uh, in, in Hollow Knight, you're you know actively fighting and this and that. This is a lot more about using the environment to accomplish what you need to. I had a ton of fun. I played through the whole demo. I would have played it again if I could. There was a very long line. I am so pumped mm-hmm. for this on my wish list on Steam, on PlayStation <laughs> Nintendo 64, whatever they're going to release it on, I'll play it. I'm down for Animal Well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And it's going to be a thumbs down for me. I actually didn't want to wait in the line to play this <laughs> one. I kind of watched over somebody's shoulder as they played, and it looked fun enough, but the puzzles looked a little confusing. You know, I was standing over the shoulder of our other friend, and we were kind of like, we don't know what to do next. And it, the game doesn't hold your hand. It kind of just throws you in, which I know a lot of people like, but... Mm-hmm. That just was not really, I'm just not interested, thumbs down for me. The next game is Nine Years of Shadow. This one was really interesting. It's a side-scrolling game as well, side-scrolling action game. And it's a black and white world. And as you kind of go through, you get power-ups that are associated with bringing color back into the world. So you like find, you find a, a color and then you, I guess you activate it, it becomes a power of yours, and, and you can bring color back to the world by using this power. And that was really cool. I thought that was really interesting, thought it was fun to play. It was just really cool. So that's a thumbs up for me, Nine Years of Shadow.
1: Yep, thumbs up for me too. I think uh, I also got to play this there. This is the one with the fun dash mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that. So I don't know if I'm going to buy it right away, but I had a good time with Nine Years of Shadows.
0: Yeah, this one's on a wish list. I might wait for a sale, but thumbs up for me. It was fun. Next game, A Space for the Unbound. Now, this is a game I was really excited about. It's on my wish list. I did not get a chance to play this because there was a line the whole time on the last day. I was like, all right, this now's the time that I'm going to make for this game. And as I walked up, there was nobody there and somebody picked up the controller. Oh. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch them play. And if they leave, I'll pick up where they left off. And I could just tell right away, I'm like, all right, this game is for this kind of person. It, it's a visual novel type of game. And it was kind of tackling, you know, a lot of the themes um, that you would tackle, you know, as a coming of age story and, you know, being on your own for the first time. And, and you know, the injustice that's found in the world. And I just wasn't really, you know, interested in waiting around to play this because I got to see it. But the art style was incredible. I'm excited for this one. But this, I mean, talk about a game that, you know, is not really good for, (laughs) you wouldn't really want to demo. I mean, it's a visual novel. Uh Like, you've got to read, like, solve puzzles. And I just wasn't really willing to wait to see that. But I watched over somebody's shoulder. And I thought it was very heartwarming as they, you know, went through and pet every single cat. And I was like, yeah, I'm not in line or anything. But, (laughs) I mean, I respect it. I probably would have done the same thing. So that's a space for the Unbound. The music, I've actually listened to the music on Spotify because this game is out and the music's incredible. So thumbs up for me. I am glad that I got to see this because I did, this is now down on my priority list just because I got to like watch like 20 minutes of the gameplay. I kind of know at least kind of where I think the story is going to go. I was like, I don't know if I necessarily am looking for that right now. So I'm very glad I got to see this one demoed, but I don't think I'm going to pick this one up right away at least so that's a space for the unbound thumbs up for me yeah
1: i have no interest in this sorry space, <laughs> space for the unbound thumbs down for me it's, uh, it's just not my kind of game and that's okay next up it's a game this must be another one you played i do not recall this one at all
0: yeah so this one our buddy was playing the next game on the last which maybe we'll just talk about that one first our buddy was playing this game called Doomblade. oh yes and I guess it was kind of just like an action side-scroller, but you played as this like, I don't know, kind of like little demon figure, and they get possessed by this humongous sword called the Doom Blade. and it was kind of like, instead of you controlling the sword, it's kind of like the sword was controlling you, and it was kind of funny. You kind of get like wrapped around the sword, and, and the visuals and the movement looked really yeah. cool and snappy. This game was awesome, so that's a Doomblade. Yeah. Man. I'm actually going to give that one a thumbs up. Do you have anything you want to say on that one?
1: Yeah, two thumbs up. It's on my wish list. It's a Metroidvania, and like I said, the art's incredible. I'm, this is definitely more akin to Hollow Knight than Animal Well, so I'm up for it, Doomblade. Yeah, the
0: action looked really sick on this one, and it was actually, like, it was demoing really well, like... Actually, I think there was a couple of people watching our buddy play it over our shoulders. But then on the computer next to it, this game opened up and I decided to hop onto it. And, oh man, I don't know how to say it. Mahokenshi, I guess.
1: Mahokenshi, yeah. Mahokenshi. I'm, I'm not sure. It's something, it sounds like it's from a different language transliterated in, into English. So mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's spelled M-O-H-O-K-E-N-S-H-I. So, Mahokenshi and it was a deck building strategy rpg and it was very cool you kind of progressed linearly through a board you know it had the hexagonal board pieces and you kind of maneuvered through those and you came upon question marks or combat encounters and i had a lot of fun playing this one as well this one's on my wish list it's 24.99 it's out now i kind of thought that was a little pricey for what it was they had a they were selling Steam codes for $20, and I was like, oh, like, I mean, I guess the game's $20. I'll just pick this up for, like, 15 or, you know, something, wait for it to go on sale. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that was a discount. I may have picked that up then and there if I had known that, but I'm excited for this one. Thumbs up for me, but I'm going to wait for a sale just because there's so many other games like this that I'm playing. But it had a very good, you know, fantasy style. I actually liked the story. I thought it was fun. So thumbs up for me on that one.
1: Yeah, I didn't really get to do much. So I'll give it a sideways thumb. Next one is Ollie Frog Toad Skater. (laughs) I feel like this game was very early in development. So it's really Mm -hmm. hard for me to give a rating because it looked rough. (laughs) Oh, really? Did you get to play it? I didn't. I think I watched you play it. And so this is essentially it's like, you know, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, but you're these, or like a skate bird yeah you're a cute little animated frog going around a skate park it's mm-hmm. not a game for me i'll say right now it's probably a thumbs down even when it's out but blake i feel like this is more for you so why don't you sell it yeah yeah. this <laughs> one was
0: really cool i really enjoyed this i actually i almost kick-started this game and it was well past its funding goal so i didn't feel the need that i needed to back it you know for me with kickstarters I will chip in on a video game if I, if I feel like I'm going to make a contribution to getting it over its goal and there are, you know, decent enough rewards. I personally just, this was all well over its funding goal, so I just didn't really feel the need to pre-order this game. But, you know, the developer was there. I got to talk to them briefly. It looks really exciting and it was fun to play. You know, it played like a Tony Hawk game. like It's a 3D you know skating game where you pull off sick tricks and... You're a cute little frog. And the customization was really, really cool. They really let you customize, you know, what kind of toad and frog you were. And that was really fun. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but I probably, you know, I don't know if I'll pick this one up just because I I have so many other skating games that I play, but
1: was really interested in this one. I'll see how it reviews. So that is Ollie Frog Toad Skater. And I will tell you, we are in the final stretch for these Mm -hmm. games that we are reviewing. I know, there's so (laughs) so many. (laughs) I think we'll take a quick break and then uh, then come back in just a moment. Yep.
0: So I guess we're back. We're back from our break. The next game we want to talk about is (laughs) Garbage Pale Kids. And this was really interesting. There was a section of booths, like three or four booths, and they had any SNES games, and they were, you know, I don't know if they were new games or if they were old games, but they were on, like, they were selling the SNES cartridges there, and they had demos on, you know, SNESs and on CRTs, and this was one It was called Garbage Pale Kids, which I guess is associated with a movie from the time, I guess, when did this come out? But, I mean, the game was just crazy.
1: Yes. <laughs> So it
0: looks like oh, so these, were these are actually NES
1: cartridges that were playing on the, on the NES, yeah. And so the Garbage Pail Kids franchise, I think it's from the 80s. But so it, it sounds like this company is was making these new NES games you have to play on an NES, you know, based on this franchise. I have no experience with the Garbage Pail Kids franchise. I think I was vaguely aware that it existed, but this is other stuff you'll find at Pax. it's pretty cool, which is just like a love for retro and people continuing to develop or to even, you know, be selling physical media of arcade to like download only games and things like that, which is so much fun.
0: Yeah. It was really cool that you know, just to see these retro consoles and retro cartridges, like new games, you know, still being made for these platforms. Like I love that. And I'm kind of in the weeds on the, the game boy and the game boy color and game boy advanced cartridges and indie published, physical media so i just think that it's it's really cool to see that for other platforms as well and i thought that was awesome to see that yeah you know at pax thumbs down for me though the game didn't look good
1: (laughs) yeah no thumbs down for me but if that scratches an issue for you then jump into it the garbage pale kids for the nes
0: the next game on our list is called oni road to be the mightiest oni and yes i actually thought this game was really cool this game was featured on um like a Nintendo Direct, I think, at at one point. And I really enjoyed this game. I mean, it demoed okay, but I could clearly tell, like, this is a game you don't really want to play the demo. Like, you really just want to hop into this and play this for hours. And, you know, it was like a third, or or I guess it was, yeah, it was like a third-person action game, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't remember playing this. From the screenshots here, it looks like Breath of the Wild, but different.
0: Yeah, it is an open world type game in a different art style. And I think you kind of go around, you know, destroying the darkness and, I don't know, I guess bringing light back to the world which is a common theme. But it seems like it tackles some of the heavier themes of like PTSD. And it kind of seems like this, the Oni is, is, you know, he was a veteran of a war and is kind of reconciling with that and trying to find peace in his life. So I guess, I mean, I don't necessarily relate to that specifically, but I mean, you know, finding peace and bringing life into, or light back into your own world in your own way is is an interesting theme. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but I don't know if I'll pick this one up. Just going to wait for reviews. It was fun to play though. That's Oni, Road to be the Mightiest Oni.
1: Yeah, I'll probably give it a thumbs down. It looks too derivative to me, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. If you decide to pick it up. Yeah. Now this
0: one we didn't get a chance to play, but the art style really stood out to me. I also we kinda got to a point when we were like, if it's a game that we don't think would demo well, we're we're not even gonna try. So this is called Me My Mech and I. And it's got really cool pixel art. It's an indie farming sim. I mean it looks really vibey and you know, you kind of control these mechs and I think there's a little bit of combat, but you're also, you know, like farming and I guess what well, I mean I think it is just farming in a new alien environment so that looked really cool to me I didn't get a chance to play it though so I'll give it a neutral thumb but I thought the art style looked really cool and definitely if you're into mechs or <laughs> farming sims definitely want to keep on your radar
1: yeah I think the quote from Blake at the convention was if it's a mech I'm in <laughs> <laughs> so, the game looks like it could be cool. It looks like it's super early in development, so I'll also give it a neutral thumb just for now. Yeah, definitely on my radar, though. Yeah, me, my mech, and I, I want to hit on astronomics here quickly. Mm-hmm. Blake, I don't know if you were with us when I checked this out. This is kind of cool. It's a like a isometric resource management mining kind of a game. You uh, work for this corporation, and you like land on a planet, and you have to like build um like different robots and mechanisms and things like that to kind of mine through the planet i think i would need to really kind of sit down and play a lot more of this but it was interesting just in like a i don't know i don't know if it's like a city sim kind of a game or like a factorio kind of a thing it's not quite like you're building out like one thing because you go to like different planets and you build structures there as well but It was kind of, and I don't remember if the developer said this specifically, but it was almost like an isometric No Man's Sky to, like, a very small degree, Mm -hmm. which was kind of cool because I had just come off of playing a ton of No Man's Sky, and so I was into that, like, oh, you know, let's we got a mind for all this kind of stuff. So, Astronomics, it's on my wish list. I'll give it a single thumb up for now and see how it develops and what it can all turn into, but uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I do like the art style of it, and I... The actual gameplay loop looks really cool. I didn't get a chance to check this one out. So neutral thumb for me, but definitely interested.
1: I do want to very quickly, Blake doesn't want to talk about this game ever for the rest of his life, (laughs) but I want to mention Aaron's Gift. That's A-R-O-N's Gift. Because this was a game that we played last year at PAX that Mm -hmm. was not playable. Mm -hmm, It looks very cool. I think it was another husband and wife team where the wife uh, did the artwork, husband did the coding very cool interesting unique artwork that i kind of like blake i don't think you
0: yeah i'm not into this one as much but
1: but last year 2022 the game was just broken you couldn't play it <laughs> and that felt really bad because they're very nice people that had a very pretty setup booth but it was hard yeah,
0: i found a lot of fun just trying to break through the walls and get my character <laughs> model stuck which i know is not <laughs> Not very respectful, but man, that was just fun as hell for me to do that. (laughs) Yeah, this year they were
1: back. Blake would not let us get anywhere near it, but I did. I did give a glimpse, and it looked like it was more put together. I gotta say, it was like so bad the first time we played it. I'm like excited. I like have it on my wish list right now because I just want to see what it turns out to be. Because it's, I do vibe with the art style, and I think if they can fix all those bugs and they can really get this game together. I kind of want to see just what it is. It's got me interested for like such a strange reason. So that's Aaron's gift.
0: I would check it out, you know, if it got decent enough reviews when it comes out, just to kind of see just because we did get to see it so early on, Uh which is, you know, not necessarily an experience you can normally have. You get to see a game so early on and then see it again. Yeah, I'm interested, but thumbs down for me.
1: I'm giving it a neutral thumb, and I really want to turn that thumb up. I really do. I'm rooting for this game as the underdog, Aaron's Gift. The next one on the list is something else that I got to play. I'll just hit it really quickly. It's called Sovereign Syndicate. This is a really interesting, a game that I would like to play a lot more of. It was, it's a top-down, almost like a point-and-click kind of a game. Reminded me, it's got a little bit of card elements to it with your encounters, You're in this like old timey London, reminds me of Dishonored almost, this like Victorian Mm -hmm. steampunk kind of a thing. A little bit of mystery, you're like solving some stuff. There's you have to like go through some dialogue options for certain encounters. It's something you could really get lost in. Is it exactly for me? I don't know, but the demo got me interested. So I'll give it a thumbs up with reserving the right to turn it thumbs down. That's Sovereign Syndicate.
0: Yeah, I didn't get a chance to play this one, so thumbs down for me, I guess.
1: (laughs) And the final one, I'll just wrap this up because I I played this and enjoyed it very much (laughs) for the stupidest (laughs) reason. This is called A Corgi's Cozy Hike. You play as a corgi, and you just fly around this, like, world, and it's adorable. And this company... It is very cute. This company, I believe, also uh, will donates a portion of the money that they make towards like it was a good cause related to corgis yeah like animal shelters
0: and and rescuing dogs and it was a really cool message and it was awesome and this is the one where this game was in they were like oh this game's only been in development for three months and it was really impressive
1: and i told the developer right there too this is the best feeling game i played at pax to that point and that was true and you're flying around because corgis can fly of course you're flying around as a corky, and it's adorable. And you have like a, a climbing mechanism like Breath of the Wild. It was very silly.
0: This is a, a very feel good game. Like yes. It looked fun to play, and it was, you know, good people behind it for a good reason. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, two for cozy
1: me. hike. And definitely.
0: All right. So <laughs> we've got a couple more on here. This one is called Primal Omen. And it. <laughs> I'm just going to go out and say this is a thumbs down for me. This this game was a little bit buggy, but I think they kind of said like that's kind of the point of it. And it, it was kind of like a third-person shooter where you take on dinosaurs, kind of like a Jurassic Park. And it kind of looked like it was going to be like a Tomb Raider type game. And it looked fun. It looked interesting. But I I mean, I don't really have any nostalgia for these type of games from this era. But if you do... I guess, what would you say, like PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 era, yeah, third-person action PlayStation game.
1: 2, maybe even PlayStation 3. I think the lighting in the game was kind of off-putting to me a little bit. It looked fine. It, when, whatever you're picturing in your head when we say Jurassic Park, Tomb Raider, that is what this game is, like almost to a T. <laughs> you know, so I don't know much about the story. I don't know much, you know, and if the story's good and if they can maybe adjust the lighting a little bit, I would be okay with it. But for now, it's a thumbs down for me, and that's nothing against them. It's just, uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. it wasn't, wasn't for me either. Thumbs down. Um, this next one, Luminous Avenger IX2, which is a great name. This game was sick. Uh, two thumbs up for me, honestly. I had a blast playing this demo. I am kind of just... I don't even really know how to describe this game. It, it's kind of just like a side-scrolling action game. It's got platforming and really cool, tight combat. This was one where I was like, you know, cool. Like, it looks cool enough, I'll check it out. And made it all the way through the demo, had just a ton of fun playing it. Um, This game's already out, so two thumbs up for me. I haven't picked it up, but it's on my wish list, so once it goes on sale, I'm gonna pick this one up. It's on Switch and Steam. Luminous Avengers IX2. Very fun, two thumbs up for me. Do you wanna talk about the next game?
1: Sure. So this is 10 Hearts. This is a game that I played with a controller and I really wished I was playing it in VR. And that's what I told the, the developers. And they said, oh, yeah, we're going to launch with, I think, I believe what they said was we're going to launch with controllers and keyboard and mouse and we're going to add VR into it. This is like a Pikmin kind of a game where you're trying to get uh, this group of like little, so they're little toy soldiers, is what they are, into a certain goal. Mm hmm. And you have to manipulate these. It's like you're in like a toy workshop and there are these little little toy guys. And so you're standing over the life work bench and you have to put in place these little blocks in order to guide the soldiers in there, which was hard to do with like keyboard and mouse and controller, I thought but would be amazing to do in VR because you could pick up and twist and put down stuff. So Mm -hmm. I give this a thumbs up, Tin Hearts. It comes out next month, about a month from now in May.
0: I think this one's coming out on Steam and Switch, isn't it?
1: It could be as well. I'm not entirely sure, but I would... I'm pretty sure I've seen this on Switch marketing as well. It looks like a lot of fun. I would hold off until VR support is implemented. I hope they do indeed do that because I think this is a game that's good for VR, Tin Hearts. Yeah.
0: I will also say I only know about this game because I watched a documentary about it. <laughs> but it's, this game is called Lemmings, and it's an old PC game. It's one of the, I guess, like one of the first like classic hits for PC gaming. And you kind of just manipulate this like stream of little figures yeah. called Lemmings through to get a goal. And right. I would say this is kind of a mix between like Lemmings and was the, the Nintendo game. I
1: compared it to Pikmin, but it sounds like Lemmings, yeah, yeah, like, Lemmings like, is like more Lemmings accurate. Lemmings and, and Pikmin, yeah. It's kind of like a mix between the
0: two, I think. So And also, it's, it's a cool art style. Thumbs down for me, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my type of game. And then I do... So I guess there's also... We played the System Shock demo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is like the spiritual precursor or whatever to Bioshock, and this is the remake that is absolutely, I don't think you'll disagree with me, but like stunningly gorgeous. So pretty. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you watch over shoulders, and you're like, wow, this game looks good. I want to be Ray tracing turned yeah. all the way up. Play this on your 50 core, i9, whatever. I mean, this is... <laughs> But then you play it, and it's a remake of a game from I don't know, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, and it kind of just feels like that in the way that you're feels that way, yeah, in the way that you're solving puzzles and stuff. Our friend that was with us really loved it; was I think more familiar with the source material than we were. I was disappointed because it's a very pretty shell of a game. But then when you get actually underneath that shell and you're into the mechanics of it, it's kind of like you're playing Bioshock. You're playing those era of games, which frankly nowadays just do feel a little outdated. So a thumbs down for me, but good on them for making a classic look so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really does look beautiful. I'm actually going to give it two thumbs down. This is my worst experience I had at (laughs) PAX the whole weekend. I did not like this one at all. I couldn't figure out what the heck I was supposed to be doing. I was trapped in the opening room I had to turn to the person next to me and say, How'd you get out of the room? <laughs> and then they're just like, Oh, like, you know, the code's like 9142. And I was like, How could you even have figured that out? Like, that's ridiculous. So I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, but it looked great. So, thumbs down for me. I'm happy that this game exists as a remake because it does look really awesome. And, you know, I want to end it on one that we didn't get a chance to play. This is called Elsie. And this is one that I, I kind of heard about after, you know, listening to other people talk about their PAX experience. This demo is available on Steam, so I wanted to end it with one that you can play. I actually just picked up the demo and played it myself on my Steam deck. And it's, it's pretty fun. It's like a action platformer. you have got some cool guns and fun mechanics. So that's Elsie. Check that one out. And I think let's take a quick break and then we'll end up the episode. All right, so we're back, and we made it through all of the games. Uh, I feel like we've been recording for forever, so thank you so much for joining me, Andrew. Yeah. And, you know, this was awesome. This was so
1: much fun to talk about these games. It was great to relive all of these games. It was great to go to FAX and play all of them in the first place, and I think that, you know, if you have this opportunity, if you live nearby something like this, I do highly recommend it. I think take pictures of every game that you play, pick up the little business cards literature so that, because you're going to play a ton and so that you can remember and and throw stuff on on your wish list. I think that the only way to know if you really like a game is to play it, you know, never Mm pre-order something. Always, always try and, you know, figure out um, what it is that, how the game actually plays, and if you like it, and don't be afraid to try stuff that you don't like. You know, you normally wouldn't yeah. exactly. And yeah. so, thank you, Blake, for letting me come on here and be a little guest to go through this, this experience. So, like I said, yeah, great absolutely. time reliving it, and I'm um, looking forward to the next PAX.
0: Yeah, this was so much fun. So again, thank you so much for hosting me, and we had just such a fun time in Boston. Hmm. And I guess really quick before we ended up, I do want to say this is PAX is great because you get to discover all of these cool games, but you also get to discover maybe I had this game on my radar and it's right. just not working for right. me. So it's really, you know, both sides of that. And obviously, you know, there's some costs associated with buying the pass, but I do feel like it has saved me money and I'm more excited about, you know, the money I'm going to spend on games in the future. So it's just a great experience overall. So thanks so much for joining me, Andrew, and thanks so much for going to PAX with
1: me. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: And, you know, obviously, thank you for listening to the Sticky Buttons podcast. You know, the best way to support us is to share it with a friend. So if you'd like to share this with somebody that you think might like packs or might want to hear about some demos, that'd be greatly appreciated. So thank you so much. And thanks again for joining me, Andrew. All right. Until the next time. Bye.